صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, listeners. Um, just firstly, a quick apology for, for Rob and Yusuf, who won't be joining me again this morning, but uh, you get to hear me uh, uninterrupted for the next sort of 30 minutes or so. So thank you again for listening and for everybody who's downloading our podcasts. We really appreciate that. Um, interestingly, uh, you know, we're, we're very uh, amazed, I've I got to tell you. We're, uh, a former Palestinian ambassador to Australia, uh, Mr. Ali Kazak. Now, anyone who knows Ali, and he was a very, very vocal and prominent supporter of 3CR back in the day, uh, certainly is still today, but no longer holds that title. Um, many Palestinians have been writing in, and I know personally I have, and, and, and some of my comrades, to voice their concern about the mainstream media and um, their adoption of um, Trump's plan and Kushner's plan, and the fact that there's been no Palestinian voices. And, you know, it's not no surprise to listeners of 3CR the fact that... Uh, Voices of the marginalised never get into the mainstream media, but um, surprisingly, I think one of the best um, uh, one of the best op-eds written from for a pro-Palestinian point of view got published this week in the Age uh, was online and in the print edition, Sydney Morning Herald and, and the Age, so two of uh, Australia's biggest markets, and uh, it, it's so worthy. I, I'm I'm going to read it verbatim. We'll comment a bit later on. The title is When Robbing Palestinians of Their Rights is Called a Peace Plan. US President Donald Trump's peace plan of the century is not designed to solve the Palestine question and achieve a just and lasting solution in the Middle East, but to legalize Israel's military occupation, territorial expansion, and violations of international law. Trump believes the US can bully Palestinians, Arabs, and the international community into accepting this plan. Dr. Saber Akat, the Secretary General of the Palestine Liberation Organization's Executive Committee and Palestinian Chief Negotiator, revealed in an interview with Al Jazeera on January 28 that Trump's plan of the century was originally proposed by Netanyahu in 2011 and it was rejected then by the Palestinian Authority. His revelation and the absence of Palestinian input regarding its proposals shows the extent to which U.S. Middle East policy, policy has been hijacked by Israel. In order to understand what the plan means and its rejection by the Palestinian people, as well as what a just solution would look like, it's essential to realise the root historical and political causes of the Palestine question. The aims of the Zionist organisation from its founding father, Theodore Herzl, to Israel's fathers, Chaim Weizmann and David Ben-Gurion, to its current leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, never included coexistence with the Muslim and Christian Palestinians, nor to establish a Jewish state on part of Palestine. Their aim all along has been to colonise all of historical Palestine and parts of neighbouring Arab states, which they call Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, and to ethnically cleanse the Palestinians. Herzl wrote in his diaries that the area of the Jewish state stretches from the book Brook of Egypt to the Euphrates, and Zionists should try to spirit the penniless population across the border 
the process of dispossession taking place discreetly and circumspectly. When the United Nations issued UN Resolution 181 in 1947, recommending the partition of Palestine into a Jewish and an Arab state, more than half of the land of Palestine was alienated from its indigenous inhabitants to provide a homeland for Zionists, most of whom had arrived either illegally or under the protection of British bayonets in the previous 30 years. Despite the Zionists' claims to have accepted the partition plan, it soon became clear that they would not be bound by it. Their unilateral declaration of statehood, along with a campaign of terror by Jewish militias, sought to establish a Jewish state beyond the boundaries set out in the partition plan and to establish a state as far as possible, devoid of its Palestinian population. Massacres and ethnic cleansing saw more than 800,000 Palestinians displaced, displaced and their properties and belongings confiscated. A few months after this catastrophe, the international community passed the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, declaring in Article 13 that everyone has the right to leave any country, including his own, and to return to his country. The following day, December 11, 1948, 48, the United Nations passed UN Resolution 194, calling for Israel to allow Palestinian refugees to return to their homes and pay them compensation. All countries, including Australia, supported the resolution. The right of Palestinian refugees to return to the cities and villages they were ethnically cleansed from is inalienable. It is the most basic human right. There can never be a just peace which does not address it. But the disposition of Palestinians in 1940, in the 40s, and then in Israel's preemptive war of 1967, was not the end of the matter. To this day, Israel does not have defined borders, retaining the right to expand and using its relationship with the White House to override international law in annexing East Jerusalem, the Golan Heights of Syria, and soon swathes of the land in the West Bank. The Trump deal envisaged Israeli sovereignty extending into a host of enclaves within any future Palestinian stake, making a nonsense of any claim to have given Palestinians territorial contiguity. The Palestinian leadership and people have shown their commitment to peace as a strategic choice. In September 1988, the Palestine National Council, the highest body in the PLO, accepted the two-state solution, agreeing to establish a state on the territories, uh, territories Israel occupied in the 1967 war, an area that represents only 22% of their uh, homeland. Less than half of what was allocated in the 1947 UN partition plan. But for Israel and its allies within the Trump administration, men like US Ambassador Israel David Friedman, Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner, and major Republican donor Sheldon Anderson, this historic compromise is not enough. The Trump plan gives Israel alone sovereignty over occupied East Jerusalem, a city where 300,000 Palestinians live under siege, and sovereignty over more than 30% of the West Bank, including land crucial to the economic social, and social viability of any future Palestinian state. Above all, it perpetuates Israeli military control over Palestinian lives. Trump's plan does not deceive the 14 million Palestinians living in the Middle East and beyond, nor the hundreds of millions of supporters around the world. But it deceives Zionists and their backers by suggesting that peace can be achieved without justice and recognition of the human and political rights of Palestinians. The only solution now is for the Palestinian people and the PLO to demand equal rights and the establishment of one democratic state in historical Palestine where Muslim, Christian and Jew have equal rights, as is the case in all democratic and civilised countries. Ali Kazak is a former Palestinian ambassador to Australia. Congratulations, Ali, a fantastic, uh, fantastic op-ed published. And, I mean, we should 
kind of sort of thank the uh, the people at The Age, which is now owned by Channel 9, for allowing such a piece to be uh, um, published. I can only imagine the vitriol that headed the way of the opinions uh, opinion editor's page uh, following the publishing of that. Um, now, internationally, we've seen um, the EU reject the deal. Uh, the Arab states uh, have said, no, they don't accept it. Unfortunately, we've got people like ScoMo, who um, Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister here in Australia, and Boris Johnson in America, uh, in, in the United Kingdom, who welcome uh, this plan as a, a move forward. Um, we had a, a mealy mouse, really terrible, um, I think, uh, media release by, um, by the Australians talking about uh, anything that brings people to, to talk together. No, no mention of the fact that the Palestinians were excluded. To, to um, the opposite of, of, of that sort of uh, weak response was the response from Jeremy Corbyn, uh, the current leader of the opposition in, in Britain. Um, now, for listeners, I'm sure everybody knows that um, Jeremy Corbyn lost the last election to, to Boris Johnson. And what people might know is uh, an Israeli lobbyist, lobbyist, a guy called Joe Glassman, um, he uh, you know works for one of the uh, Zionist... Uh, power networks and influence lobby groups over there. He he put a video together and launched it out on his private, uh, on his YouTube page and sent it to all these um, uh, listeners. And he said, this is, you know, the really scary, sickening thing about how some of these people talk. Um, He says about Corbyn's lost, the beast is slain, Corbyn has been slaughtered. Uh, And he talks about his spies and intel. Well, there's a reason he, he, Joe Glassman and his uh, mates were so happy at uh, Corbyn's demise. It's because uh, Corbyn is a principled human being. And aside from Palestine on many things, uh, but particularly, and, and, and his press, his uh, letter to uh, Boris Johnson, he, he has said well, Britain has to say no to this so-called peace plan. Um, and he says that the impression that um, Boris Johnson's government is giving is that Britain is prepared to depart from important positions held by successive British administrations. And um, Corbyn is asking uh, or demanding that Boris Johnson confirm that you know he's going to stick to the, uh, her two-state two solutions based on 67 with East Jerusalem as the capital of uh, uh, an independent state of Palestine and with uh, a just resolution to, to the uh, uh, refugee question. Uh, fantastically, in Australia, we've had um, uh, a wonderful statement put out by um, uh, Amanu, the Australian Jewish Democratic Society, um, and a number of other um, uh, Jewish organisations like the Australian J- uh, uh, the J- Jewish Greens, the Jewish Labour Bund, Jewish Voices for Peace, Merce Australia, NIF Australia, SKIF Australia, and um, they, they've talked about you know the the attempt by uh, the uh, United States and Israel to impose. A, uh, a settlement upon the Palestinians is, um, you know, a, a travesty of justice. Um, and uh, they look forward to talking and working with Palestinians and Jews and other uh, people of uh, good good conscience and solidarity to work towards a, a just, police, uh, just peace. Um, it's important to remember that when we criticise the State of Israel, we do so in singularity and divorce that from criticism of Jewish people. Uh, to celebrate God on Saturday as a Jew doesn't make you an Israeli. It makes you a Jewish person. You can be an Australian Jew, an American Jew, a British Jew. In fact, you know, many 
uh, Jews prior to the establishment of the state of um, uh, Israel and that didn't immigrate from Europe were Palestinian Jews. Um, so the the criticizing of Israel and the Israeli government and the actions of that government or that army are specific to those um, to the to those crimes against humanity, if you will. Um, and Israel has done extensive and indefensible crimes against the Palestinian people in violation of international law and the most basic uh, demands of justice and human rights. And so it's important when we um, when we talk about uh, holding Israel to account, we're not talking about Judaism. Increasingly, though, Israel uh, has endeavoured to conflate the two, to make Israel synonymous uh, with Judaism. We know it isn't. And what they've done internationally is started to push out the working definition of anti-Semitism um, and linking that with the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. And the the working definition of anti-Semitism equates criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism. Um, increasingly, uh, countries around the world are adopting this um, definition. Uh, the Executive Council of Australian Jewry has repeatedly used claims of anti-Semitism to smear activists and um, prominent uh, supporters of Palestinian human rights. And the reality is that it's such a nasty, nasty uh, smear. It really damages people's um, employment opportunities, career prospects, and, and really makes things uh, uh, really terrible for those people. Um, a significant number, though, of um, Jewish individuals, um, academics, organizations around the world who do stand up for, for the rights of, human, uh, of Palestinians and for their just rights for self-determination, don't accept these false claims that supporting Palestinians is necessarily anti-Semitic. Um, you know, groups like the in, in the United States Jewish Voice for Peace, the Australian Jewish Democratic Society, which spoke about, and many others. Um, in 2018, the Israel enacted what they called was the nation-state law, and what it did was define um, Israel as a nation-state for the Jewish people immediately making 20% of the population of the state of Israel um, second, third-class citizens. Now, the nation-state law, when extended over all of the land that Israel occupies and controls, it means that 50% of the population are second, third, fourth, fifth-class citizens. And I say fourth, fifth-class citizens because we talk about Palestinians within 48 Palestine, those in East Jerusalem, those in the West Bank, and then the, in, in, in a sense of rights and opportunities for, for life and enjoy it's quite enjoyment, those in Gaza that suffer the most. Um, one of the challenges with equating the state of Israel with Jewishness and, and making those things one and the same is that it actually gives genuine anti-Semites uh, an opportunity to increase the anti-Semitism. Um, and, and in particular, you know, there's, you know... Uh, the Hungarian Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, who is an anti-Semite, um, but he's a fanatical Israeli supporter, is welcomed in Israel by Benjamin Netanyahu, but he, he, he gets a free pass. Um, so it's so important that when we respond to charges of anti-Semitism, it, 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 when used in the context of belittling supporters of uh, the Palestinian cause, what it actually does is diverts attention from real anti-Semitism and undermines the political action against those against the ongoing crimes of the, of the state of uh, Israel and the urgent need, the urgent need for um, Palestinians to get justice in their homeland. 
Um, this past week, sadly, we've seen um, a uh, uh, an increase in Israeli feelings of omnipotence, and one one they're emboldened, of course, post the um, Trump announcement that you know that Israel can do no evil. Sadly, um, we've lost five Palestinians in this past week. Um, they've been shot dead uh, in in protests uh, throughout historic Palestine. Um, one of the things, you know, it, it, we don't see it in mainstream media, of course. Um, we we don't, you know, we don't hear that for this past week bombing has been going on throughout Gaza. Uh, it's it's a new normal, you know. It doesn't register in a news cycle. Um, Israel is the occupying power. This is defined by international law. It, Israel is the occupying power of Gaza. And as an occupier, it has a legal obligation and is accountable for the welfare of those people under its occupation. In this past week, in the past 12 years uh, of ongoing Gaza blockade and uh, turning it into the world's largest prison camp, Israel is dropping 21st century weaponry on a defenseless, captive civilian population. It's outrageous that mainstream media doesn't um, report this. It's outrageous that um, one of the Palestinians that was shot in the, in the, in the West Bank, this was the uh, line from the uh, Israeli military spokesman office, and, they, and, they, and I quote, Soldiers identified a Palestinian who hurled a Molotov cocktail at them and responded with fire in order to remove the threat. This is how brutalizing the occupation is, removing the threat. Israeli PR think that they can kill a kid. This was a 17-year-old boy. That they can kill a 17-year-old boy and just call it removing the threat. Um, mainstream media didn't miss the opportunity to report on uh, the situation in, in Palestine, Israel. A, a Palestinian um, uh, drove a car into a, uh, a band of soldiers. Twelve soldiers were injured. Uh, one of them critically, the other 11 uh various degrees of uh, uh, injuries, but all have been discharged except for that one. Um, let, him, let him miss an opportunity to talk about those 12 Israeli soldiers with a byline as to the um, uh, the, the Palestinian that, w- that was killed um, and, you know, removed, removed the, th- the threat of that Palestinian. Um, we should mention now with a new year, uh, the Palestinian political prisoners. There are more than 5,000 Palestinian prisoners in uh, political prisoners in Israel, 461 of which are under administrative detention. And a reminder to our listeners, administrative detention is when uh, you're, you're, you're taken from your home or wherever it might be, a protest. Uh, you're taken into custody. Um, nobody knows why you've been charged. Uh, the administrative detention orders are given for six months. Uh, you're tried in uh, secret. You're not given an opportunity for um, to see why you're charged or the evidence against you. Uh, you're not given the opportunity at uh, legal representation. And these administrative detentions can be ongoing. Some people have been in there for numbers of years without being let out. Child prisoners is 180 children under the age of 18. 26 under 16, 41 females, 70 within the 48 territories, 312 from East Jerusalem, 296 from Gaza. Um, 
26 uh, prisoners from, from Oslo. We've got over, over 20 Palestinian legislative council members. Well, 497 of those 5,000 have served over 20 years. 47 have served more than uh, uh, 25 years. 541 serving life sentences. Um, the the uh, a report last year said that since 1967, in excess in excess of 70% of the male population has been uh, imprisoned at one time or another. And when you put that into context, the brutalisation of a civilian population is just sickening. Um, I spoke about Gaza a moment ago, and I, I meant to to um, um, highlight this. I, I, I at the Jerusalem Peace Prize last year, we, we had a special focus on, on on Gaza, and because it's so often out of our mind, we, we forget about just the the. the just how horrible the conditions are for, for Gazans in, 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 in occupied Gaza. Gaza is 365 square kilometres. Now, for, for people that don't know, it's about the size of Greater Geelong. Melbourne is 9,990 square kilometres. Australia is 7.7 .7 million square kilometres. Um, Gaza has a population of between 1.85 and 2 million people, depending on... Um, uh, what, what what numbers you get from the round numbers? I, I believe they're, they're they're around two million people. Australia is close to twenty six million people. We have of the order of three point three people per square kilometer, so that's one kilometer by one kilometer. Quite quite a um, large expansive area. Three point three people per uh, square kilometer. In Gaza, that number is around five thousand five hundred people per square kilometre. To give you a, a concept of what that would be, I mean, I know a lot of um, our listeners aren't in Melbourne, uh, but Melbourne's a population of, of, of around 5 million people, and there's a lot of complaints every morning about the traffic and how hard it is to get around, and it's because our government is underinvested in public transport and bike lanes and more suitable... Um, uh, ways of transport, but also in its decentral hasn't failed in decentralising services to uh, create many mini CBDs, rather creating a monster mega CBD that is uh, Melbourne and forcing everybody to come in, and that uh, and the consequent traffic. But Melbourne at nine thousand nine hundred ninety square kilometres, with around five million people, is four hundred eighty people per square kilometre, so a factor of thirteen or fourteen less uh, than it is in Gaza. If Melbourne had the population density of Gaza, rather than being 5 million people, we'd be 55 million people. Uh, so imagine wherever, the space that you're occupying, if you're a Melbourneian today, um, what we're talking about is uh, a factor of 11. So if you're in your bedroom, and it's a nice big bedroom, in Gaza, 11 people would be in there. And if you're in a house um, uh, or an apartment block and there's 30 people in that apartment block, um, or block of flats in Gaza, there'd be close to 400 in that block of flats. So when you when you look around and see one car, imagine 11 cars. When you see a train carriage with uh, 100 people on it, imagine 1,000 people on it. They're the sort of numbers we're talking about. And remembering that Israel as an occupying power has sole responsibility to to protect those people uh, and, and, and they're completely 
uh, uh, under international law accountable for the welfare welfare of those people. Imagine what living like that would do to your um, to your living standard. But also when you factor into it that occupying power is calculating the daily calorific intake as to what's allowed in, so to make sure that you know um, you uh, are perpetually kind hungry. Um, but also they control the land, air, sea borders, so your opportunities for uh, educational advancement, for uh, hospital care, for visiting relatives, for family uh, reunification, all those things are denied. And I say all this in the context of what is it we should do. And obviously from the point of view, wherever you are in the world, speak to your MP. You know, write letters to him or her, demand to meet with your um, uh, with your elected representative and say, you know, what are you doing about the inhumane situation? Australia, and if you're in the West, is a friend of, of Israel. What are we doing to hold them to account to international human rights law? Write letters to newspapers uh, and to the TV. Join your local organisation. If you're in Australia, join APAN um, at apan.org.au. Tell your friends, importantly. The best thing you can do is boycott, divest and sanction this uh, apartheid state. Uh, B is for boycott, and what we're asking you to do is to choose not to. Restrain from purchasing Israeli products and any company that benefits from the oppression of Palestinians. For instance, SodaStream. Uh, Caterpillar, who create a bulldozer that's retrofitted just to crush Palestinian homes. D is for divestment. If you've got a superannuation fund or some shares, write to them and say, am I a member or do I own shares in a company that benefits from the oppression of the Palestinians by Israel? And obviously sanctions, that's that's a, a bigger ask. The main thing that BDS has achieved and continues to achieve is the transformation of public perception of Israel. We've put them on the back foot. We're going to continue to put them on the back foot. Uh, when we discuss the boycott of Israeli products, we, wanna, we do it in the context of exposing the Israeli army's uh, human rights violations, not the economics behind it, but we, uh, when we talk to artists about not performing and, and normalizing apartheid, we're denouncing Israeli's discriminatory policies. When we tell artists not to perform in Tel Aviv, we tell them that's a universal message. Palestinians in Ramallah, in Gaza, they can't attend the concert because of Israel's occupation. When we call for an academic boycott of complicit Israeli universities, we use the argument that the region's self-proclaimed only democracy is not an equal opportunity educator. They turn away US applicants of Arab or Muslim origin. What BDS have achieved, it can't be measured in dollars, but what it's done is starting to make the public perception of Israel negative. And we need to keep maligning this uh, racist entity and apartheid country until it upholds uh, international law and there is a just peace for all people in historic Palestine regardless of how they celebrate their God. Thanks for listening and hope to join. Hope you'll join the three of us next week. Take care. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live.